Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast presented by First Federal. It's Thursday, September 22nd, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We're talking Chiefs today. They take on the Indianapolis Colts in Indy on Sunday. The Chiefs are undefeated. The Colts are winless. But the Chiefs will be without linebacker Willie Gay Jr. He begins his four-game suspension this week. Our group of Herbie Teope, Jesse Newell, Sam McDowell, and Vahe Gregorian spend the first half of the show discussing Gay's absence and how that could impact the Chiefs. After a break, we discuss the Chiefs' short yardage situation and why the team had problems there in the previous game against the Chargers. Okay, let's get started. The show started as a Sports Beat Live. Hey, good morning from um, somewhat overcast and a little cool Kansas City. Welcome to Sports Beat Live. This is our weekly show where we discuss the Chiefs with you. And we have Sam McDowell, Jesse Newell, Herbie Teope, and Vahe Gregorian here today. Good morning, guys. Hey, we're sponsored by First Federal Bank. You'll hear from them later in the show. We start as we often, not always, but often do. With availability for the game this week, Chiefs-Colts in Indianapolis. We turn to Herbie for this information. Herbie, we'll talk about Willie Gay here in a moment. We know about his four-game suspension. But what did Andy Reid say about other uh, injuries and availability uh, yesterday when he spoke to the media? Well, the two big ones who are not practicing right now are Harrison Bucker. He didn't practice Wednesday. And, of course, he suffered that ankle injury. Andy Reid calls it a left ankle sprain on September the 11th. So now he's 10 days into it, and he's still not practicing. Uh, they do have Matt Amendola, who kicked field goals uh, in week two, obviously. Two field goals, three extra points. So he's their plan B if Butker cannot go against the Colts. The other one is defensive end Mike Dana. He's dealing with a calf injury that he suffered in week two. The Chiefs did sign a player from uh, Whitley. They signed him off of the L.A. Rams practice squad, so he's on their active roster. He helps bolster the depth. McCall Hardman was limited Wednesday in practice with a heel injury. He suffered that also in week two. So those are the big ones, but also, obviously, we know about Willie Gay, which you'll get into. Yeah, so I was – this is from the Chargers game um, uh, the the other day. Of course, the 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 Butker came in the Arizona game, but but Mike Dana played against the Chargers. He was the one who got to um, you, you know got the sack. I guess it, did he end up sacking or, or was it uh, on an incomplete pass? But um, but but ended up you know I, I was down I guess in the elevator and going toward the locker room. When the play happened, I got down there just in time to see Mike Dana making his way to the locker room before the end of the game. Did he get hurt on that play, or was it a subsequent play? I'm going to assume it was probably that play, but, you know, they only had two sacks that game. Both of them went to Chris Jones, and he got credited with a quarterback hit. But he did lead the game late, as you said. You were downstairs, and that's when you saw him. So it was pretty late in the game. Okay, very good. Well, let's um, let's switch to Willie Gay. That is uh, that was big news, right? The, but maybe a, a surprise and to us, but not to the Chiefs, right, Jesse? They knew uh, for a while that some punishment was coming down for uh, for Willie Gay Jr. Four game suspension for the incident that occurred um, in the off season. So. He is going to miss the four-week suspension begins with this game against the Colts. Uh, what would uh, 
the four games interesting, uh, especially when compared to some other suspensions uh, in the NFL. But what, uh, what what's the general feeling just about the suspension that, that, that Willie Gay received? And then we'll talk about uh, what's uh, what the Chiefs are going to do without him. Yeah, I mean, I think they probably kick it over to Sam because he wrote a great piece on this earlier this week about kind of the nuance that goes into this. Um, so, you know, the thing about this suspension is I know a lot of people compare it to the Deshaun Watson one, um, and and I think that's way oversimplifying something that is pretty complex. Uh, I talked with actually, you know, on A10 Radio about this uh, yesterday, and the NFL kind of is in a no-win spot in these situations because if more information comes out later after the fact, and the NFL knew about it, people say, well, why didn't the NFL act early on and, and, and suspend this guy and, you know, hammer down exactly. Uh, but if we have kind of scant details on it and they know something that maybe we don't and they do a, a lighter punishment, you know, it, it's, a, it's kind of darned if you darned if you don't is what I'm saying. But I can get over to Sam because, like I said, I thought his take was really good on the Willie Gay situation. He obviously uh, dealt with it back in the time in January. And this just seems way more nuanced than potentially the oversimplification that you see of it online. Yeah, thanks, Jesse. Um, I, I think the reason for the confusion is just the lack of transparency from the NFL of how they arrive um, for every suspension they have. Um, I thought it was actually interesting when Andy Reid was asked about um, the consistency or lack thereof within suspensions. He, he acknowledged like, hey, I don't know what goes into every case. Well, we don't know what goes into every case because the NFL choose to hot, choose, chooses to only – um, hand over their summary of the evidence to the parties involved, which in this case, of course, is Willie Gay. So Willie Gay knows what uh, evidence the NFL gathered during their independent investigation. They, they investigate separately than law enforcement. I know a lot of people are confused about the timing of, of why this is coming down now when, when it's an incident in January. Well, Willie Gay wrapped up his case in, in June, and then the NFL starts their own investigation after the law enforcement one is completed. So they don't start in January. Um, and the actual case, you know, from the evidence we found, the Kansas City Star dug into, you know, back in January with, with this altercation with his ex-partner, who's the mother of his child. And I know that, you know, the, the narrative became that Willie Gay busted a vacuum cleaner during this, but there was a lot more accusations and it from his ex-partner as far as being pushed onto the couch where their baby was sleeping. He wasn't charged with that, but that doesn't matter for the NFL's investigation. They don't have the same burden of proof to prove something beyond a reasonable doubt in a court of law, but we don't know what their burden of proof is. That's something else they haven't been transparent about. So like I said, from the top, the reason for all the confusion about the, the time and the length of the suspension comes from the NFL's lack of transparency in this whole process for how they arrive at these. I just want to quick chime in. I mean, Sam's column was really great on this. I urge anybody to, to check it out. Um, but the, the ultimate effect is just trust us, but we're not going to tell you why. And that, that's, uh, that just throws everything, the entire compass into a spin on, on how we're supposed to perceive what the actual um, punishment is, what the standards are, why, why, why anything's done. It's very easy for people to perceive the NFL as being fairly, uh, fairly random on these things. And that, that's, uh, it's, that's not the message they should be seeking. And, and you understand the reasons why uh, to some degree they do it this way, but it, 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 I think warps the purpose in a lot of ways. 
Yeah, because it's it's entirely possible that their their punishments overall are really consistent. We just don't know about that because we don't know how they arrive at them. So it's entirely possible that this is the exact punishment. If we knew all the evidence that they discovered, we'd also say, wow, yeah, four games seems about right for Willie Gay. They don't allow us that opportunity to agree with them, basically. The interesting thing about all this is because now we know Willie Gay's situation is handled months after the the uh, the fact. They got another one that's hanging over their head right now in Frank Clark. And then, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. You know, the NFL spokesman told me two weeks ago that this is still under review. I asked Andy Reid a week and a half ago if, if he heard anything that's coming down the pipe. He said no. Sam asked him again yesterday. He said no. But, you know, they had a hint that it was coming with Willie Gay. You got to think something is also hanging over Frank Clark's head right now. Well, yeah, and Herbie, we asked Frank Clark about that in the locker room a week ago, and he basically just said, hey, I, I, I can't control that right now. I have, don't have clearance from the league yet. So uh, potentially, yeah, him and his gun charges could happen. And I think it's important while we're here. I mean, Sam, let me just read from the story that we had from the court documents. Uh, it said the woman claimed Gay then pushed her onto the couch where their son was asleep, cracked her cell phone, knocked everything off her countertops and threw a vacuum 20 feet across the apartment, according to her petition. Gay stormed out of her apartment before police arrived. Again, that's her, uh, you know, recalling of the incident. And so, you know, some of this, we talk about how the NFL should deal with these things. I mean, you think, look back to the Buffalo punter um, that happened, you know, a couple of weeks ago where surely some of the NFL or the Bills knew that happened and then it comes to light and then everybody reacts to it. You know what I mean? So, like you said, there could be part of this where maybe they know something or circum certain circumstances about this Willie Gay situation where it's better to get out in front of it rather than chase it from behind. But I think the bottom line with all this is you hope for Willie Gay's sake, for his family's sake. You know, he's talked in the past few months about being a changed person, about, you know, um, doing different things in his life. You hope that's what's come about, because, again, if, if we take those comments on their face, uh, and domestic abuse, domestic violence, whatever you want to, to label this potential situation as. I mean, that's a very, very serious thing. And I'm sure that's why the NFL came down hard on this and, and wanted to make a statement. So the other part of this that you always think about is, you know, video versus no video. If, if this incident were on video, would there be a different outcry reaction to this? Uh, I mean, you know, we'll never know. Uh, but but this all kind of goes back hand in hand with what we're talking about, which is the punishment on this and kind of where it lands and, and where the NFL landed. But just hearing those details and reading those details, uh, like you said, Sam, very much more complicated, much more detailed than just breaking a vacuum cleaner. And, and then there's the practical side for the Chiefs. Uh, what do they do uh, for that position? Willie Gay was off to a terrific start. I believe he's leading the team in tackles after two games. And um, we, we all have noticed the and, and we were anticipating just solid play from the linebacking position and through two games it's happened so Herbie why don't you start taking us down the road of what the alternatives now are for the Chiefs without Willie Gay for the next month yeah and Andy Reid hinted at it yesterday when he said they had an idea this was coming and then we saw that last week where they kind of gave us the hint that something was coming uh, but we we overlooked it when they brought up two linebackers from the practice squad and Elijah Lee and rookie Jack Cochran. So all of a sudden they had six linebackers and, you know, I might've been scratching my head. Why in the world are they carrying six linebackers? Days later, Willie Gay happened. What Andy Reid said was that Darius Harris, who's been with the team since 2019, will get that first shot uh, alongside Nick Bolton and in, in all likelihood, Leo Chanel. 
Did I get that right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and then, of course, you have Elijah Lee as well as Jack Cochran in the backup role. They do have the West Pointer, uh, former Army linebacker Cole Christensen on the practice squad. They had to bring him up as well. But Darius Harris is that guy, and, and you're right. But I don't think he's – He's a Willie Gay-type linebacker. You know, Gay was actually second on the team in tackles, tied with Legereus Sneed with 16. Nick Bolton's currently leading the team with 20. Uh, but Gay is a playmaker. You know, you cannot replace that 4.3, 4.4 speed. And he's the guy that can go sideline to sideline. I don't think Darius Harris is that kind of a linebacker. He's not, or he wouldn't be a backup for the Chiefs, you know. But he did have a good uh, final preseason game, uh, as we talked about, uh, Blair. Uh, you know, they did have him have three straight tackles in that game. And, you know, it's sort of a philosophical thing for the Chiefs, if you look at this, because probably the best thing to work out would be just put Harris, Harris in, plug and play, and then you don't have to move Nick Bolton. You don't have to change your defense. You trust in Harris to know where he's supposed to be, even if he's not Willie Gay and maybe can't get there as quick as Willie Gay can. But the other part of this is just to sort of look at, can you get your best players on the field? And if you're looking at that, the Chiefs have a lot of depth at safety. You know, they have Deion Bush. They have a guy like Brian Cook who potentially could get more involved, who's athletic and physical from the back end. So uh, maybe we could see some more, you know, more safeties on the field and try to see Spags maybe kind of creatively try to get more of those guys out there. The problem for that is the Colts. That's probably not what you want to do in this particular game. You probably want more run defense at that second level to potentially stop a guy like Jonathan Taylor. So I think Harris is the first option. Potentially Elijah Lee after him if you're just looking for plug-and-play options. But potentially down the line, if the Chiefs are facing you know the Bills here in four weeks, a pass-happy offense, maybe you'll see a few more safeties on the field and Stags trying to get creative to get those best guys out there. You know, speed at the position is – what the Chiefs really needed, and they they got that with with Bolton and, and Gay. I, I'm going to I'm going to be curious to see how that's affected with Darius Harris. Brian makes the point that he had a you know, he had a good preseason, and you guys said that as well. He absolutely did, especially that last game where he had three straight plays of a of making plays, making the tackle, and and one of them at least one of them was a tackle for loss. So. Um, you know, I, yeah, I, I, I bragged on him. Look, he's been in the, he's been in the system since what, 2019, I believe. Uh, it's, you know, he's, he's been around for a while. Um, and it's a good point Jesse makes about the type of team that they're playing this week in, in Indianapolis, uh, not a, not a pass happy team. And, um, and, and maybe they, um, there, there's not a, a big impact here, but, uh, but, but I can see that coming. Okay. Well, why don't we go ahead? Well, I was just going to say, one of the things that Willie Gay does really well in the running game is if you remember last year in Los Angeles um, when Willie Gay was out with COVID and the Chiefs had, had had strung together a few games in a row where they had finally stopped the run. And all of a sudden, Austin Eckler got loose against them. And asking some people why, well, Willie Gay does a really good job of preventing cutback lanes. Doesn't always get tackles on those plays, but he forces the play to go where it's supposed to go. And often, you know, you'll see Nick Bolton or heck, Legereus Sneed, if he's playing that nickel, um, get tackles on that play. And it's interesting that the Chiefs have only have allowed fewer than 200 rushing yards in their first two games. It's kind of one of the underspoken things this year because it's been when it was a problem. We talked about it every week. Right. And now all of a sudden they've they've shored that up a little bit. And one of the reasons is because Willie Gay has some speed there that prevents teams from getting off on the backside. So I, I think that they will miss him a little bit in the running game, even though Nick Bolton is a stronger force there. But, I mean, Jesse's right. They really are going to miss him most in the passing game and his coverage of tight ends and running backs. Now, 
last week against the Chargers, he gave up 13 receptions in that game. Um, so he did not have a great day in, in the passing game. He It's one of the reasons why he led that game in tackles. I mean, it's because he gave up a lot of receptions in that game. I remember the Chiefs had this succession of holding opponents. <clears throat> the Cowboys was one of them to single digits, and then they played the Chargers, and that was the high-scoring game that the Chiefs ended up winning in overtime. So, okay, now let's uh, – why don't we do this? Let's let's take a break and hear from First Federal, and I want to leave you with a trivia question. And I know – pretty sure our guys will be able to uh, come up with the right answer here, but how about uh, give us your answers uh, and let us know – the answer to this question, the last time the Chiefs played in Indianapolis, their starting, the Chiefs starting quarterback was injured, and the Chiefs went with a new starting quarterback in the next game, and this new quarterback, this sub-quarterback, played only one game, started only one game for the Chiefs that year, and in fact, in his entirety with the, with the Chiefs. Tell me who that quarterback was who started the week after, well, Alex Smith was injured at Indianapolis. And let's see if we can get some right answers here as we hear from First Federal. Buying your first home is a huge milestone, but the journey there can be confusing. First Federal Bank of Kansas City is here to make it simple. After nearly a century of serving the KC community, our loan advisors have experience in every type of housing market. With a short phone call, we can give you a free rate quote and talk through loan options. No pressure, no obligation. The road to home ownership can be simple with First Federal Bank. Get started with a free quote at ffbkc.com homes. First Federal Bank of Kansas City, because banking is personal. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the e-edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. Look who's first to answer. Yep. Uh, Our friend Pete has come up with the answer. It was future Super Bowl MVP. Nick Foles. Uh, I believe they played the Jacksonville Jaguars at home the next week. And, uh, and I, I want to say the score was 19 to 14. I'd have to look it up. But uh, but yeah, they got through a game with Nick Foles. They had signed him earlier in the year and came in handy because of Vahe. I think we were talking about this yesterday, the type of injury that Alex Smith suffered in Indianapolis um, that produced one of the great stadium nicknames I've ever heard. You remember the occasion? Uh, I remember the occasion, and of course, I remember the uh, the the man who gets credit for it uh, very well. But you you might have to reel in the exact name: uh, Concussion Field at um, Head Trauma Stadium. Head Trauma Stadium by uh, our dear Therese Therese Paler. I think he summed it all up. And uh, I I we were talking about this a little bit yesterday, Blair. I don't do we have much reason to think the terrain has changed. Yeah, I was saying they, they played a couple of Final Fours uh, in that in Lucas Oil Stadium, and they didn't even pick up the turf. Uh, they just uh, 
um, just play right on it. So it's, it's it, it actually it's like it can't even be exercised. Like you can't drive anything through it. It's just a, a permanent marker. <laughs> that's that's kind of scary. But but look, I ever since that that uh that that playoff game there, right? It's all I think of when uh when you think about that place. I mean, series of injuries that day. Of course, uh, no greater injury than to the pride of the franchise with that that collapse from a thirty eight to ten lead, but. Um, it is enough to make you think, uh, you know, things happen at that, at that field that you may not expect. And what, what was fascinating about that is Therese didn't name or nickname the field because of the injury. He went into the game with that. I mean, he, and, and lo and behold, uh, Alex Smith ends up suffering a concussion and goes into protocol, misses the next game. So Let's talk about the Colts for a little bit. Interesting team. Um, I, you know, the, the, the Tennessee Titans have, have, have been the, the the team in the South over the last few years, but a lot of folks thought the Colts were uh, going to should be favored in the AFC South this year, and they are off to a dreadful start. Oh, one and one, coming off a twenty-four to nothing loss at Jacksonville. I didn't know this until I you know, until I was watching the game, that that was the eighth straight loss for the Colts in Jacksonville. That's incredible. Um, the week before, they 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 rally to tie the Houston Texans. They were down, what, 20-3 to three and end up getting that game into overtime. They missed a 42-yard field goal that would have won it in overtime. So, Jesse, why don't you take start down the road to the, road to the Colts? What, what are we looking at here? They, they, they made some additions to, to – solidify the defense and Gawkway's there and Gilmore and you know, of course Matt Ryan at quarterback. How about this? The fifth quarterback in five years for the Colts, by the way. But um what kind of what are we looking at with an undefeated Chiefs team going into a winless Colts stadium? Yeah, it is a fascinating Colts team because obviously we know about Chris Ballard and what he's been able to do as GM of the Colts. I think he's well respected. I think a lot of people talk about the additions he brings and he's brought to the Colts and the good job they've done drafting. The problem is that the good job that they've done drafting has not been at the quarterback position. And, you know, stop me if you've heard this one before, a team that is searching for a quarterback, but just has not committed to draft one. Um, I think we've, we've seen what happens around these parts uh, when that happens and the fan base gets a little bit, I don't know, um, nervous or antsy, if you will. But, the Colts have tried to plug and play, you know, whether it's been Phillip Rivers, whether it's been Carson Wentz, whether it's been now Matt Ryan. But just to be totally honest with you guys, guys, Matt Ryan looked awful last week. I don't know if he aged 10 years in the offseason, but he was sort of supposed to come in with what was already a really good roster with Jonathan Taylor. And you talked about the you know defenders that they have on the other side and a, a receiver like Pittman, who is emerging uh, in his first years in the league. So that was supposed to kind of turn them into a really good team. And um, the quarterback is kind of submarining this whole thing. So, yeah, the Colts right now, it's, it's sort of interesting kind of going over what they did. Uh, the defense a little bit undisciplined last week, really biting for some fakes. They have not had the sort of pass rush and the pass coverage you would expect from them, from the personnel that they have. And then offensively, they didn't run the football very much, and Matt Ryan was a disaster. So can you snap out of that in week three? At home, I mean, it's their home opener, so you hope so. But for the Chiefs, I think you're catching the right team at the right time. And potentially, this we're going to look at this game a lot differently than we did a couple weeks ago when we thought the Colts were the easy favorites to win that division. You're muted, Blair. Chiefs are what, a six-and-a-half-point favorite in this one? 
five and a half now. It, well, so it's down. The trending in the in the Colts' favor. Then, um, you know, Patrick Mahomes was asked about you know playing indoors, and you know he has a, he's a terrific record. Well, he has a terrific record in any circumstance, right? But uh, uh, especially indoors, and that favors you know favors. I would think favors offense. I, but I, I, who who knows? Jesse mentioned it was the Colts' home opener. That is true. And listen, I, I, to me, a factor has to be a team that you know that f- thinks well of itself and, and thinks it has the right personnel uh, playing at home, sort of with its backs to the wall a little bit. It's a long season, plenty of time to to get things right in Indianapolis. They may still end up winning the division. They they were in the playoffs two years ago, of course, with a different quarterback. So uh, I, I don't know if it's a dangerous team, but I think it's one that's going to play better uh, in week three than it did in the first two weeks. And maybe the Chiefs will bring the best out of the Indianapolis Colts. The Chiefs are not without their issues. Being 2-0, and look, that, that's that's great. And they overwhelming win over the Cardinals and a gutsy win over the, over the Chargers. But, you know, there's still some issues, including short yardage situations. Um, let's hear what Andy Reid had to say about the Chiefs when he was asked about the short yardage situations. Um, we talked to you Monday about short yardage situations. Um, as you review that, you know, one possibility is, is using a quarterback sneak, a play that's been effective throughout the history of the league. I just wonder, have you reconsidered that and, and why the reason to not use that? Yeah, that wasn't uh, the case on those two plays the other day. Um, we had some mechanical difficulties, so we got to make sure we scheme-wise we get it, we block in the right guys and go in the right place. There were a couple of problems, mistakes. Have you, have you reconsidered using the quarterback sneak before? Is that something Pat and you have talked about? Um, well, he's asked me about it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you saw what we did. <laughs> well, you know, we used uh, Bell in there to do it. You know. Andy, those third and shorts were obviously something you guys were really good at mm-hmm. last year. Do you just look at these two games and say something? Yeah, we were wrong. We we were wrong on what we did and how we went about doing the job. So, as coaches, we got to make sure we're putting the guys in the right position that the guys do the right thing. I mean, that's really what those came down to. It wasn't. Um, you know, we'll get that thing. Well, Sam, you were hammering Andy Reid on the short yardage situation there. Um, what, what is, what, what's, what's the issue for the Chiefs right now? Hey, uh, just a quick interruption, Sam. Can you, can you clarify what your question was to Andy there? Because I, I couldn't hear it. What exactly did you ask him? Yeah, my voice doesn't carry too well in those pressers, by. Um, I thought uh, – so they were really good on, on third and short last year. I mean, Jesse wrote about Michael Burton's uh, role in that. They've really they really struggled with it against the Chargers. So I just asked him if he thought basically something had changed or this was like isolated to this game. And his answer was pretty revealing. I, I don't know if maybe you have to know Andy Reid and have sat through enough of those press conferences or, or news conferences, I guess we're calling them. Um, but he uh, – I think he's trying not to call out players who screwed up that play. Uh, you know, when you go back and look at the Pacheco play in particular on third and one, he just 
once again, we've talked about this before, he doesn't go to the, the where the play is designed because he briefly sees some open space on a cutback lane. He tries to hit that. Well, guess what? In the NFL, the safety's barreling down on that cutback lane. You can't do that. you got to go where the play is designed. If he does, he gets the first down. Um, I thought Jarek McKinnon could have gotten in on the, uh, the goal to go. Uh, I think it was two yards maybe um, on that one. Um, so there could be some, some other, you know, blocking issues that he's pointing out there, but that's Andy Reid basically saying, I think we're going to be okay because these are plays we've executed in the past. And if this guy had just done this as he was supposed to, the play would have worked out fine. By the way, that was Isaiah Pacheco's last down that play. So if you want to uh, read the tea leaves, put the pieces together, he did not play a snap after that other than the special teams. You know, it, it is – there was something about how Andy said it and the look in his eye that sort of said, you know, it was operator error one way or another. We, we, When you really know what went wrong, you can't fix it. I mean, if it's it, – it's, it sounds simplistic, but uh, I agree with you, Sam, that knowing what your question was, that that absolutely was the message coming from him. What was interesting about that Pacheco play as well is uh, the way the Chargers tried to defend that play – um, they basically, uh, all their guys, and there's an NFL term for this. I think it's submarining the play. Like their defensive lineman basically just collapsed to try and stop. It's either a quarterback sneak. Well, you, they obviously don't anticipate a quarterback sneak as we heard Nate Taylor asking Andy Reed about that. Um, but they do anticipate the fullback dive, which is the play reference that Jesse, you know, wrote about with Michael Burton. Because the Chiefs had run that earlier in the game and successfully converted. It's, it is their most successful third and short play. The Chargers basically collapsed their defensive line anticipate for stopping that. Well, the Chiefs countered that. They were basically expecting the Chargers to expect that play. They countered that with the Pacheco play, and I think that's the disappointment with Andy Reid with why that didn't work. He called the right play in that situation. A few things real quick, Sam. Uh, Brett Tabo, who does the work with me on the videos, uh, he – Broke down that play on Twitter if people want to check it out. But basically, he just needs, Isaiah needs to press the center. He needs to run behind the center and not early commit on that particular run. He early committed to the right, which allowed the safety to get around that pile. You're talking about the submarine pile and stop him short. If you just continue in line with your center, you can make a decision late and you're able to get the first down. Uh, so that's interesting. The other question, and I know I'm just I'm on the bandwagon here. So if this really is an issue for the chiefs and Pacheco couldn't get in or couldn't get his yard and uh, Jarek McKinnon couldn't, didn't have the power to get his yard. Then here comes the Ronald Jones bandwagon coming back up uh, here in the Newell household. So we'll see. I mean, could, could Ronald Jones be promoted because that's the sort of runs. Those are the sorts of things that uh, potentially you would think he would have a, a very not easy time doing, but that would be his specialty. That's what he's really good at. The other thing uh, to kind of keep in mind with this, you know, I was critical, you were critical, Sam, of them not going for a fourth and goal at the one-yard line. Um, I think that was absolutely the wrong decision. The Chiefs won anyway, so I guess to the victors go the spoils. But I kind of the only thing I will say about this situation, when you're trying to look at this from an Andy Reid perspective and, and kind of look at all the factors involved, they had run a lot of third-and-one plays and fourth-and-one plays. I mean, they basically showed, I think, probably their whole playbook on that. So I wonder if there was any part of Andy Reid who basically said, I've shown everything. I've shown every play I have in this short yard situation, and four of them have gotten stuffed. I just want to take the points because I don't think I'm going to be able to surprise the Chargers on the next, next play. So I'll at least open the possibility of that being the case in that particular uh, drive. But I still think if you have superhuman offense or not, fourth and goal at the one, you got to go for it. You got to make a statement. The Chiefs didn't do it, still won. So again, Andy Reid, uh, 
gets credit, I guess, for the Chiefs still winning the football game. But that was surprising to me. Potentially might have been just because they were running out of plays to, to work, and the ones that they were running weren't working either. You know, it's an interesting point, Jesse. And I, because they, they did try the shovel pass to, to Kelsey, and that got stopped. But another one of their favorite plays, uh, it, you know, it, it, from the one or the two, is the, the, the quick hit to Kelsey when he lines up in the tight slot and has a couple of blockers in front of him. And I just can't help but think that, you know, against this defense, and especially, you know, with, uh, with, with Duran James lining up, you know, probably assigned to Kelsey in that situation, that it didn't affect Andy Reid's play calling thinking in that moment because it's, uh, we saw what we saw what Duran James did to, um, to Kelsey earlier in, in that. I think maybe in the same series where he helicoptered um, uh, Kelsey. Anyway, he plays him tough, and Kelsey's on record saying that the toughest defender that he faces is um, is James from the Chargers. So, uh, what one thing, Blair, and I don't, I, I'm not sure this was the same sequence, um, but wasn't the, the the attempt to Fortson in the in the corner uh, immediately followed by the shovel pass and and. Uh, you know, I don't think the Chiefs are particularly predictable, but I felt like, boy, those were, you know, it, you know, plays one and two that anybody would anticipate them looking for based on how they've done some things down the goal line. So I, I don't, I might have that sequence wrong, but I, I, I remember thinking it, the Chargers were obviously well prepared for a couple of things the Chiefs like to do down there. So I think the first down was the McKinnon one where he had a whole opening. It looked like Wiley got beat a little bit on the backside or front side, I guess it would have been, but. Uh, still, I mean, if you put your shoulder pads down your bigger back, you probably get in the end zone. I think the second down was to Fortson. To be completely honest, this is a pass that probably Patrick Mahomes needs to work on. I mean, he's not used to basically just throwing it up to receivers because he's always had tiny receivers. And so to have Fortson back and, and healthy, that was a bad throw by Patrick. I mean, he's got to throw the ball up to give his receiver or his tight end a chance there. And then, yes, the underhanded shovel pass to Kelsey came after that on third down, which they've run a lot. They ran in the first week, you know, uh, and that one didn't work either. So, uh, again, that's probably what Andy's referencing here with the uh, sort of execution issues is because every single play, you can kind of pick out a player or a person who could have done something better to get that touchdown. But uh, that's why it's, it's kind of good to go into this to know what you don't know. I mean, we can all say, Oh, it was a run. That was a stupid play call. Well, if you execute the run, it's a touchdown. You know what I mean? And that's where Andy Reid's coming at this from is like, if Pacheco does this, it's a first down. If McKinnon does this, it's a touchdown. If Patrick does this, it's a touchdown. And that's really kind of the, the nuanced details that are the difference between three points and seven points and winning in the NFL and not. And so that's really he wants what he wants to hammer in on. I can't help but think that uh, playing a division opponent may have had an impact here too, a team that you see twice a year that knows you better than uh, a Colts team might or an, or an NFC team in the previous week. Uh, Mike. So, okay. Hey, look, uh, got to get to practice. So we're going to get out of here. Oh, as always, a great conversation with Jesse Newell, Vahe Gregorian, Sam McDowell, and Herbie Teope. Um, thank you so much to, uh, to Monty Davis for producing today's show. And we will come at you again on Sunday afternoon, uh, noon central kickoff. So look for us about 5 p.m. on Sunday, and we will break down the Chiefs and Colts game in a show that is presented by First Federal. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production team of Monty Davis, Randy Mason, George Howard, and Jeff Rosen, and to our sponsor, First Federal. Their website is ffbkc.com. Tip of the cap to Herbie Teope, Jesse Newell, Sam McDowell, and Vahe Gregorian for sharing their insights. 
Hey, Morning Sports Edition was 42 pages today, full of NFL, Major League Baseball, college football news, everything else in sports, and probably four or five pages of the Royals replacing general manager Dayton Moore with J.J. Piccolo. Check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC.